Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Confessions of a Dealmaker podcast. I'm your host, Jason Godwin. So on today's topic, we're going to talk about branding and marketing. I want to read a quote from one of my favorite books, This is Marketing by Seth Godin. The most important lesson I can share about brand marketing is this. You definitely, certainly, and surely don't have enough time and money to build a brand for everyone. You can't, don't try, be specific, be very specific. I'm excited for today's guest. From the moment that we thought of the podcast, I knew I would have this person on. I knew they would be someone that would have a lot of valuable information to share, especially on this topic of of brand marketing. This person has been a pioneer in a path for women-focused investing by, as they say, getting more money in the hands of women as the first women's-focused investment firm, Elvest. I want to introduce Alexander Ramirez, who is the Director of Brand Marketing for Elvest. Alexander, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you on. So um, those that know me, know this is no secret, Alexander's my sister-in-law, and I've had now we 10. We get along really great. We do. Not so much in the beginning. <laughs> I, Are we going to go there? Well, just, just for humor purposes. But Perfect. Um, no, I, I've been, for the last 11 years getting to know you, I've been so impressed with um, – your knowledge on this topic, right? And even since before you started working in this role, you've been very proficient in understanding how brand works and understanding how uh, communication and, and attention and and delivering value in a way that people want to engage with, with you online. And so this topic is very important for our listeners because in my role as a business broker, one thing I noticed is very few of our clients actually have a marketing plan mm-hmm. or put um, a budget together or actively are trying to acquire clients other than through referrals and whoever walks in the door. And that's an avenue that can add tremendous value to a company by being able to put a dial on your your marketing so that it, when you put more budget towards it, you know you're going to acquire more customers, you're going to bring more uh customers and clients in the door. So I'm really excited to have this conversation and so that we can deliver some value to our clients. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited to dig in. So just real, can you give us kind of a brief history of of how you got to the role you're in now and, and also some information on Elvest? Yeah, absolutely. Grew up in Austin, Texas, and knew I always wanted to go to school in New York and live in New York. So when I graduated, I actually went to fashion school. So from fashion to finance, let me tell you how I got there. Um, I studied advertising and marketing and really loved it. Did a lot of great internships. I was able to take advantage of so many amazing companies having their headquarters in New York. Um, Kind of went through music tech and fashion. Realized I did not want to do fashion. So graduated and started working for a music technology app. Had a really great experience. A lot of good learnings. First job. And then from there, I discovered Elevest, and at that point, did not know much about finance, but what I did, what did resonate with me was their brand marketing. I went to their website, they had a video on there, and it was just really well done, talking about their mission, what they valued, and that got me. So Elevest brand marketing got their brand marketer. And yeah, here I am six and a half years later, and I've been able to grow with the company and just really be a... Uh, a part of watching the brand evolve and the company grow and here I am now on your podcast talking about it that's awesome it's been it's been amazing to watch from the outside 
as you grow with the company and the company grows from, as you said, when, when you started, it was what, just 18 employees? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and just kind of the world that we're in now, um, you know, six and a half years later to where we started. I mean, it's it's so different from a marketing perspective, from a brand perspective. I mean, we, we went through a global pandemic. So it's been a really interesting time and challenging time to be a marketer. But I think it's always an opportunity to to dig in and, um, you know, go back to your brand guidelines and your brand values and check in um, as you navigate what's happening in the world because that, that's impacting your clients. So that's going to impact and should impact what you're doing. Right. Let's kind of dive into Elevest's mission mm-hmm. and and the history behind that. Yeah. So Elevest is a financial platform built by women for women. So we help women build and manage their wealth. Um, like you said, our mission is to get more money in the hands of women because when women have more money, everyone benefits. Yes, even men. Um, economies grow. Our families are better off. Nonprofits are better off. Um, so, yeah, it's just thinking about it not as can women fit into this piece of the pie, but how can we make that pie bigger uh, or that you know seat at the table? There's plenty of seats to go around. Um, so, yeah, that's been our mission has been a big part of our brand marketing and what has brought in clients who resonate with that and who are like, yeah, I want to be a part of that um, to kind of really create, you know, something bigger than just marketing, but in, in some ways a movement of I, you know, like I said, I want to be a part of that. Right. You know, I was, I was going through the the website and reading some information about the history and there was something, a quote that I, um, I read and I, I thought this was really interesting that um, a lot of people in the beginning said women don't need their own investment platform. Right. And, and we had talked off camera about how in the in the past there had been different, you know, the main juggernaut financial firms that tried to have some product that was focused on um, women, but not necessarily engineered and speaking straight to how women feel about this topic. Right. About money and, and wanting to have something that's their own. Absolutely. No. I think it's interesting when, yeah, when LFS first launched, it, it, and it wasn't just um, men or maybe kind of people you would expect to be like, oh, women don't need their own thing. We got we heard that from women too. I think it was honestly really, um, what's the right word? It was sad to see that some people assumed that something for women would be junior varsity, that would be less than, but why couldn't something for women be smarter, be more strategic? And so we really, like you said, Many people have tried to do this before, but what they were doing was marketing to women. They weren't actually building a product for women. So at Elevest, our investment algorithm takes into account women's financial realities, like the fact that we get paid less than men, our salaries peak sooner, we take career breaks to have children sometimes. And so all of that should be taken into account for your long-term financial goals. And so it was really important to us and continues to be important to us that we're living out our mission and our values and our brand in every aspect of what we do from the vendors we work with to the people who invest with us to our product and the future products that we launch. Um, it really is integrated into every decision that we make is going back to our mission. Right. And <clears throat> instead of building something and seeing what audience there is out there for it and then making it fit, you went to market knowing that this is what your audience was looking for and you built the product around that audience and built the company and your values around that audience to serve that audience and put the audience first. And I would say with that audience, you know, I think no one had ever, our CEO, Sally Krawcheck, had worked on Wall Street for, for 
you know, many decades. And I think the assumption at the time was like, women aren't interested in investing, but it was like, well, maybe we're not speaking to women or marketing to women the way that they want to be. And so I think really building a product with our community. And I think there's so many opportunities, whatever that might look like for, for your business. I think speaking to your clients, it sounds so obvious, but I think many people don't stop to take that and how that communication, that brand loyalty, that LTV is so important to build. Um, so yeah, through user testing, through, you know, client feedback, like that, that's a constant conversation that we're having um, because you want to build a product, not just for women, but, but with them as well. That's amazing. So the reason why I grabbed this book today is kind of my inspiration is so Seth Godin's whole principle behind this is you cannot be seen until you learn to see first mm-hmm. and learning what your clients or your customer base is in your audience is looking for. And, and instead of trying to convince them you're aligning with what they're looking for. You're providing what they've been longing for and, and the answers to their, you know, burning desires and questions. Yeah, no, I think um, something I think about a lot as marketers is how can we encourage a behavior that they're already doing because everyone wants to be encouraged in something that they're already doing. And so how can you fit your service, your product into their into their life um, so that it feels like routine, like it feels good to be encouraged in what you're doing. So whatever that might look like, um, absolutely. So let's talk about the brand journey, right? As a, as an organization, you're trying to understand who you are and then communicate with your audience, your clients. I would love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. So, sorry, (coughs) excuse me. Um, I think just taking a step back to like, what is brand marketing? So a brand is what connects a product or service to its customers uh, people don't always remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. So if you walk into a brick-and-mortar store, if you see a digital ad, maybe they don't remember the exact copy, but they're going to remember how they felt when they saw that. I think a great example of this is when someone walks into a wine store and they don't really read the back of it. They just look at the labels, the branding, and they're like, mm, love that, or like, that looks good. Um, and that's just like one example of how powerful brand marketing can be. Um, it focuses on elevating the perception that clients, potential clients and investors, how they feel about the high level brand rather than focusing on one exact product. Um, so I think a misconception about brand marketing is that it's not growth focused. It, it absolutely is about growing. It's just growing with a different um, you know, value prop in mind. So rather than f- right away going to the the product, the the feature, it's like, this is how, you know, this is how, this is what we value. And this is how the value we can bring to your life. And here's, you know, the characteristics of what we believe. And maybe that aligns with what you believe as well. Um, so just kind of, I think it's helpful to take a step back in terms of like, what is brand marketing and why is it important right now? I think at least, you know, looking at fintech and tech specifically, there has been a kind of the last couple of years, a like hyper growth at all costs. And I think with a you know potentially looming recession, budgets are tightening, lifetime value, brand loyalty, retaining customers for the long term is so, so important to have that brand loyalty who are people who are going to stick with you through whatever is to come. Um, you know, we saw that through a, a global pandemic. Um, but I also think that by having a strong, well-identified brand, you're going to retain talent on your on your team. Um, and again, you're going to retain clients. You know, I think Elevest and, and our mission and our brand has been a big part of our success because, yes, they're, you know, getting the, the, the benefits of our product and they're, you know, 
earning returns and, and growing their wealth, but they also get to be a part of something bigger, um, which who doesn't want to be a part of something. Exactly. So I had this epiphany maybe three or four months ago, but I can't remember what company it was and what the product was, but I was in a grocery store and I saw some type of advertisement for a product. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, this just seems like it misses the mark as who the audience is and getting on a conversion. But then I had that aha moment. I'm like, no, every single one of these brand interactions is a deposit into that account mm -hmm. so that when the time comes and I need that service, I remember who it is because I've had so many interactions with the brand. I've seen it in places and it's popped up in places where I may be thinking about that solution or that problem and looking for that solution. You know, we, one of the things we talk about is the, uh, the, the marketing pyramid, right? So you have at the very top, your 3% that are, are in the market and they're looking to convert right now, looking to make a purchase. Then you have below that, the 17% that are, they know they have a need and they're asking questions. They're, they're now uh, not only problem aware, but they're asking questions on how do I solve this problem? Then below that's the 20% that are just becoming problem aware and they're researching the problem. And then you have uh, below that, the 60% that are not problem aware, right? And so one thing I've noticed about brand marketing is it puts you in front of the people that are in that 60%. So as they go through the different phases of awareness, interest, and, and action, they recall your brand and they're ready to go find you when, when they want to make that purchase. Yeah, no, a couple of things. So I think one, what you mentioned, like it's so important to realize that a potential client, a prospect, a customer, they're going to have multiple touch points <clears throat> with you before they actually make that purchase. And I think what you're kind of laying out there is that happy path of how does someone get from A to C and what are those steps in between and what are those tension points, you know, and, and how can you create your marketing plan, create, you know, for, for each of those different points in the marketing funnel to meet that problem solution right where it's at um and i think we don't always you know we also need to see how customers are currently using and going through the funnel i think sometimes we try to kind of maneuver the marketing how we want to but we also have to identify like how are people using and moving through the funnel in the first place before we can kind of identify that happy path exactly and and translating a lot of our clients and, and our personal clients and customers are small local business where their client base is not necessarily um, making a purchase online. We do have yeah. online services. We have software companies we work with. We have uh, e-commerce companies, but for the most part, they're local-based businesses. And for, for a local business owner that's listening and they may say, well, how does this apply to me? 90, there's this stat I heard last year that 93% of all transactions start online. That could be someone is doing Google Maps research to see the closest service in their area. They're reading reviews. They see your, your brand on social media, um, on Facebook, or they go to the local Facebook community page and they're um, asking people's opinions on who to use for the service. Well, all of that is brand marketing. All of that is brand awareness and, and, and it's driving traffic, which eventually ends in a conversion. So... The, the funnel may be less complicated for local businesses, but it's still important to understand how that process works and understand where your clients are coming from because you don't, you don't want to be relying on just referrals and people talking about you. You want to make sure that people can find you when they're looking for you. 
and then they know that you're the person or the company that they should they should entrust to solve this problem. Yeah. And how are you arming your clients to talk about you? What perception are they having of you, and that how are they going to talk to their friends, their family, their network about you? I think um, I, I'm sure you can hear in the way that I talk about it. Yes, LBS is very digital marketing forward, um, but I think you know real life examples of how this can apply to small business owners in the area is, you know, are you training your employees? Like, do you have your, could your employees, if you all ask, if you ask all of them, like, what are our brand characteristics or what is our marketing mission or what do we value? Can they all say the same thing? And if not, that's a problem or more than the problem, it's an opportunity to improve upon that because your, your team and then your clients, like you need to arm them with the right tools to talk about you and to, market you because if that is what you're relying on you know whether it's through brand loyalty programs through you know again like and there's many examples of that but I think involving your employees in that process of identifying your brand and talk and how to talk about your brand is a really key step exactly and a lot of companies may not know what their brand is yeah we recently went through this journey on uh, so there's a book called traction which uh, Gina Wickman wrote and they talk about what they call the EOS process, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And in the, be- in, in the beginning of that planning process, you figure out what your core values are, your core focus first. Before you go any further down um, the list of tasks you have to do to get the business in line, that's the first two things. Because your marketing should be focused on your core values as an organization. And your core focus should be on solving a problem for a specific group of people. Because if you try to build something for everyone, you built it for no one, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're if you too uh, generic, then it's not going to speak to one individual group of people's sets of problems that you're trying to solve. So if business owners are looking for a way to answer that question. Okay. So how do I even start the process? You know, figuring out, you know, how, what brand am I? Who am I as a brand? Who am I as a company? You know, start with your core values, right? Start with who your clients will say you are, right? Who, who does your employees say you are first ask them, mm-hmm. you know, and then if it's not in alignment with what you think your brand is, well, that's a, a conversation you need to have as a team of how to align that as a company. Are we maybe not living out to what our brand is supposed to be in our, in our minds, right? Are we, are we not servicing our clients in that way? Or, um, and, I th- and I think it's important to put that on paper because the reality is, like, it's I'm going to give, like, two differing opinions here or advice, but they're both equally important, is, like, something that's so important is to be consistent as a brand and as a company. And so and a way to be held accountable and be consistent is by literally having your brand marketing, your brand guidelines on paper. So yes, like you said, that starts with your values, your characteristics. Um, then it kind of goes into your brand voice, your tagline, your messaging, like all of that documented. And that's something that you should ideally be checking in on maybe twice a year, because as a brand, you're going to evolve. Like looking at how, who Elevest was six years ago is a very different, again, you would see some of, you know, not completely different, but our brand has evolved the way that our client has evolved. So checking back in with, again, like you said, your clients, your your team, most importantly. Right. Exactly. And and that's something that even a small business owner can do. You can you can go online, you can find all kinds of resources on how to what questions to ask yourself to go through this process of discovery. 
and just put it on a Word document and then check in with yourself. You know, with, with my engagements online, am I living this out, right? Does this, does this echo who I am and what I truly believe in? Because that's most important. If you create, you know, an evangelical customer base, they're going to go out of their way to recommend you because you've, you've served them, right? And if you make it all about you and it's all about the conversion, it's all about, you know, take, 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 you're never going to build an evangelical customer base, right? Like I, I bet there's a lot of used car dealerships that struggle with that problem, right? <laughs> so, um, no, you have to be authentic. People, people more than ever, I think, especially these newer generations, like Gen Z specifically, they see through. I don't know if I can cuss on the podcast, but any BS like that—that that, they're so smart. Like marketing is looks so different than it did, you know. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even two years ago because of new generations and their expectations of brands. I have this um, stat here. It says 82% of shoppers want a consumer brand's values to align with their own. So people are holding brands to a higher <laughs> standard than ever before. I can see that. And I can see that in watching because marketing is one of my favorite topics to study in business because I feel like the most important, the, the most important thing you can do in business is build a team. But the second is now you need to communicate your values so that people can find you, right? And if you're just sitting in, a, in an office somewhere and you haven't communicated with your audience, how are they going to find you, right? How are they going to know you're the person that can solve their problem and, and you, you want to express yourself through serving them, right? And so it, it's so important to go down that journey and, and figure out who you are as a company. Totally. Agreed. And And – the game has changed a lot, especially with, um, you know, post-COVID and also post-iOS 14.5, right? So in in the marketing communities that we're a part of, uh, they're, they're very focused on, you know, a lot of conversion-driven, um, a lot of pay-per-click ad advertising, and a lot of the changes to digital platforms and what companies are allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, and, and the changes that Apple's made have made it difficult to utilize those uh, paid traffic methods. So it gives more validity to the argument about brand marketing and, and organic marketing. Yeah. You know, if, you, if, if we've been so dependent on driving traffic to landing pages and then using pixels to uh, remarket to those individuals and put them in audiences and then show different advertising to, to those audiences to try to bring them through the funnel. If we don't have the visibility digitally to do that anymore, well, what, what's the only option left? It's brand. Yeah. It's got to be brand. And I think it's so important for paid and organic to work together. You know, thinking of, you know, let's say paid Instagram, for example. Like, we are where we are today, I think, on LFS because of our social presence and the community that we've built on there. And when paid social is turned up, we see that positively benefit our organic social. It's this natural flywheel that can, when, when you get there, it's a really sweet spot because what you're seeing on paid matches what you're going to organic, and they're both helping to feed each other. And again, the digital word of mouth, the multiple touch points that are needed to convert to a brand. Um, so yeah, I think to your point, it's been a very interesting and challenging time to, I mean, so much of marketing is, is information, it's data, it's knowing that happy path and, and that happy path, you know, there's a little bit less clarity on exactly what that looks like, but I think it's just a new challenge and an opportunity exactly to lean into organic earned 
marketing and media. You know, we'll get the question every now and then, okay, so if I'm going to do marketing, should I do paid? Should I do organic? Should I do SEO? Should I do this? I'm like, yes, you should. Yeah. Um, you should start with, though, organic and brand because if someone is, is searching for you, so let me take a little rabbit trail real quick of a lesson I learned that I think is very important for anyone that wants to get into advertising. The way the algorithms work, the platforms are more happy and will grant you lower cost of acquisition if you're utilizing as many of their features as possible and if you are, have checked all the boxes of their requirements. So with Google, for instance, if your Google My Business uh, and Google Business Profile is optimized and you have done some, you know, the basic fundamentals of on-page SEO, your, and you have uh, reviews is very important too for this, the your quality of your reviews and the number of reviews, your cost per click will be less and you will you will be able to place higher for a less cost per click than your competitors if you have optimized all of those things. So, so it's very imperative before you start getting into paid traffic that you need to make sure you've the brand aspects are on point, that all of those boxes have been checked. You've done, you've done what you need to do to make sure that your audience can find you organically. Yeah, you need to have an organic presence, absolutely. But we would, for example, we would, if we didn't have organic presence on TikTok, we wouldn't be doing paid on TikTok. I, I think it would be exactly the reasons you laid out it would in the end of the day not be beneficial i think it's kind of like a, a puppy or a pet it's like you have to feed it in order for it to be happy and for it to do tricks and exactly. you know result in conversion so yeah no i think it's a great point um i follow um the guys from solutions eight um john and Cosmo over there they're known as the best google ads agency on earth i can't remember how many billions of dollars of ad spend they manage a year. But one of the things they said is there's no better way to find out your offer's terrible than to drive paid traffic to it. <laughs> it will find all the weaknesses in your landing pages, your website, and your offer in general, you know, and it'll just exacerbate the problem, right? Because you'll get very unqualified leads and, and your conversion rate will be low, your cost will be high. So it's, it's so important to get the offer and the brand figured out. And I think I will say that I do think paid social, if you have the budget, is a really interesting place to test and learn quickly. And so if you are in a position where you're trying to figure out, you know, what message to lead with or what tagline, like paid social is a great place to test that, you know, what what is getting more clicks, what is getting more engagement. And so agreed, you know, you don't want to drive unqualified leads, but it is a quick and kind of dirty way to understand quickly, will a message resonate? And then should I invest in putting that on my website or, you know, on a billboard, whatever that might look like in a flyer. Um, that's a kind of a quick and dirty way to do that. I know, I agree. I think stealing a page from Alex Ramosi and one of his methods is he they'll they'll do some uh, low cost video campaigns with almost no filters, basically just just United States, and um, they'll figure out what videos are having the highest engagement, and then they start. D drilling down on those offers and then running traffic to taking that concept of that video, repurposing it and running more traffic to that and then keep narrowing down on that audience until you find out is this offer one that can convert and then is this audience resonating with the offer? Yeah, it's all about optimize, optimize, optimize. You can't just put something out there and just like sit and see how it does. Like there needs to be 
five iterations of that one with a different closer and a different CTA launching as well. You know, it's, it's, it's constant optimization. And I think to your point, sometimes marketing isn't always um, prioritized for you know this or that reason. And I think realizing your strengths and your weaknesses, again, you should be as a business owner, a key part of identifying your brand and, and that exercise. But once that's there, outsource if you need to, you know, there are people who full-time content creators who do this for a living, who are so good at it. And again, that's maybe digital marketing specifically, but to your point, people might, oftentimes someone's going to search what, uh, for your company, for your brand before they actually go in person. Like I don't go anywhere. I don't walk into a restaurant unless I've seen what their review is like period. And that like, so I've got high standards. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think to your point, it, it's unlikely that someone's first touch point with a brand is truly in person walking in to a brick and mortar. Absolutely. Right. And, and I want to s- double down on something you said about hiring. Um, in my world, you know, business owners are always wrestling with where they need to invest their money, right? Do I need to, is there an asset I need to replace? Is there a, a role we need to hire for? Is there a new piece of technology we need to roll out? Do we need to invest in our building? Do we need to sign a new lease? There's always some place to spend money. What's different about marketing is you can tangibly see with the data the results and you can drive traffic because then you have more capital to solve the other problems. And and there's no faster way. Like if you if you have to, you know, let's say replace a piece of equipment that's that's aging, or you know, you're buying some newer trucks or equipment if you're a you know, some type of service based business. You may lower your cost of maintenance, but you're not going to drive more traffic to your company. You're not going to gain more uh, presence online and in the local market. And this goes for local businesses as well as it does regional, as well as it does online, right? The, well, online businesses, they have to do this. You know, you cannot be an e-commerce company if you're not driving paid traffic. can't. You have to be on Google Shopping. You have to be on Facebook Shopping. There's no other way. But... Um, yeah, th- these are tangible areas you can you can make these investments and you can see. And there's so many people that do this specific role. I mean, we're on Facebook groups with 50,000, 60,000 people that are looking for work, that that freelance, that do Google ads, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, content create, write blogs, write copy, write email. So it's simple as, you know, start with, start with nailing down your brand and just invest a little bit of money in that and you will see it grow. Yeah, and I mean more than ever working remote and like you have access to not just local talent. Of course, it's always, um, you know, when possible to invest in local, um, you know, employees and in the community, but also you have access to content creators in, in Wisconsin and Texas, you know, like the, there's all such over the a world. Lo- all over, there you go. Yeah. Period. I mean, we, uh, you know, shout out to, uh, Danielle, if Danielle is seeing this, we had a guy working with us for a while out of Pakistan. This guy had, he had an MBA, you know, he very, very, very smart marketer, very smart brand guy. He understood it, um, knew the tech side, could communicate with clients. I mean, he was great to work with. Right. And so, um, there is so much talent out there. It's not hard. You just have to put some filters in place for hiring and then just look and you'll, you'll meet, um, so many talented people in the space. And, And there's so many creative people who they, they just want to create. And this is an opportunity for them to express themselves. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one of the topics I know that I've had uh, conversations about 
offline people are very curious about is, you know, TikTok and Reels. And I think this may be the biggest gift the digital age has given to companies and, and, and businesses because it is the lowest cost way to drive traffic that I have seen. Yeah, no, you have, again, speaking of challenges as a marketer, but also opportunities, is you have less and less of a time to get someone's attention. I think you can see that with how dynamic reels and tech talks are and how quickly it all moves. Um, so, yeah, you got to jump in, in there and, and get your hands dirty and try it out. Um, but, yeah, video content is where it's at. Video, video, video. Absolutely. And I think there's a misconception that it's just – young teenagers on TikTok, and that's absolutely not true. I think 31% of TikTok's audience in the U.S. is between the age of 25 and 31. So think twice before you assume that your client base isn't on there. I don't know the statistic, but I know, uh, Keith, we've talked about it. There's also a large audience that's 35 to 55, too. And the cost to produce content on TikTok is so inexpensive, you know, and, and not just TikTok, Facebook real. I mean, we actually get better engagement on, on the fa- on the meta products than we do on TikTok. Yeah. And you um, can cross post. I mean, you can, yeah. Something that's on TikTok, move it over to Instagram and vice versa. I mean, right. now that Instagram has reels and has a similar format, that's really easily transferable. And I think making something that you create content, you create work for you in multiple channels is absolutely possible. I think, To be clear, I do think each social platform should have a different social strategy. Again, same brand strategy, same brand guidelines, but a different strategy specifically identify that. But make your content work harder for you and cross post. Exactly. I'd love to ask you a question on this because this has been a debate here that we don't have a good answer for. When we have multiple accounts on multiple platforms, and the conversation has been, do we have a brand voice for each account? And how do we cross-post content? Do we mix it up and kind of post everything all over the place and see where the results are and then, you know, dive down into that? Do we have specific voices for each account? I would say you should always have the same brand voice, but the tone that you lean into for whatever channel or medium should change. So, for example... On, for LFS specifically, on social, we are we are a bit more goofy or lighthearted or, you know, we call fact-based SaaS, would live there more than it would in a client email about their finances. You know, at the end of the day, we are managing people's money. So, again, same brand voice. You, you would never get an email, a product email from LFS and think, oh, this is from Goldman Sachs. But it should be different than, like, a social caption does. And so right. time and place – so important, but it should always be the same brand of voice. I, I believe strongly in that. That's a good answer. Yeah, we're we're still walking through that process of because uh, for example, we, we have three Facebook pages, we have three TikToks, we have three Instagrams because of the different avenues we're pursuing. We have our branded and then in individual agent accounts, right? So we're um, working on testing that out to see because we I've noticed we'll we will post something on say uh my professional business Facebook page and then on my professional Instagram page and the results are completely different right because the audience is different I mean you have a different um like for us our strongest channel is Facebook 
uh, we've we've had people find us through Facebook, which for our industry, we're B two B. For we have a very specific client. We're looking for someone who is a uh, looking to retire, sell their company, and um, you know, business owner. And typically, that that's it's not a consumer product, right? We're not offering you know something directly to consumers, so it's a smaller audience. It's harder to find, but you know, they're still able to find us. It's interesting in preparation for this podcast. Um, I was reading an article about how more B2B businesses are investing in brand marketing that maybe priorly weren't. So it sounds like you're you're doing that. Have you felt that like anybody like as a B2B business owner, like have you felt that at all? That like that movement of maybe more people prioritizing brand marketing? No. Okay. I, I, well, here, let me, with a caveat. Yeah. I feel like after a certain size, companies are are making it a priority. I think that Got they're it. missing the boat by not. Yes. And I'll so, you know, client avatar, right? For us, and that's so important. I would love to talk about that a little bit. What does like, that mean, client avatar? Like your 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 who is your uh, your, your brand persona? Like right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, we call it client avatar. Um, Sounds cooler. So. Our average client is running a company with 10 to 15 employees, usually one tier of management, maybe three to four or five managers. And the owners are still very much involved with the day-to-day operations. And their biggest struggle is hiring. It's, it's um, onboarding and bringing people on who stay because they get the company. And I, I think they're missing the boat because they don't understand how important brand is not just for attracting clients, clients yeah. but attracting talent. Yes. You know, you want your company to be a status symbol. Like, I work at company X, whatever it is. You want people to be proud to say, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I work there because you're innovative, because you're fun, because you're creative, because you're you're doing new things. And so... There's a missed opportunity that, especially in B2B, I think co- companies are not investing that capital into that because they say, well, I don't have the, if we bring on more clients, I don't have the employees to handle them. Yeah. Well, brand market to the, to the employees that you want. You know, if you have turnover, well, let's find people that align with your culture, yeah. right, who one want of, to be a part of that company. Yeah, one of Elevus company values is we are stewards of our brand for that exact reason. Like, our mission Everyone's got to be behind. Like you're, this is why we show up to work every day. That's why we're fired up. That's why I still work here after six and a half years. So, no, I think that's spot on, and that totally makes sense. Again, it's something that's prioritized eventually, but how beneficial could that be to prioritize it from day one, from Genesis, from the beginning? Right. No, I agree. I feel like with leftover capital, after you've conducted all your, everything operationally you need to do a company, you need to be looking at how do I invest that in brand, how I invest that in marketing and driving traffic because that is going to give you the biggest ROI for hiring talent too and, and keeping talent, um, which is one of the biggest challenges I think small to medium-sized businesses have is, is attracting talent and keeping talent. Interesting. <clears throat> Why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, now that we're entering more of a digital age, the work from home culture and businesses are expanding to other markets. Now there may be companies that are located in Las Vegas, but they have operational staff here in Florida. So, you know, you don't have to have your headquarters where the talent is anymore. 
So you can so so now you have successful companies that are scooping up more talent that were typically being small to mid-sized companies that are now transitioning. At least that's my my interpretation of what I'm seeing. Also, you have companies like so there's there's a challenge where when you're in a what am I call a commodity type business where you have a service or product that's very much fixed on price and you have a hard time scaling because you, you have lower margins. Let's say if you're um, if you're a retail establishment, whether you sell wine or beer or um, food or something, and you have walk-in customers. Um, you're competing against online, which doesn't have to have the same overhead as you, so they can run a smaller margin. Like if I was a hardware store, right, I'm competing against Lowe's or buying something on Amazon. So it's harder than to have the capital to reinvest back into the company mm-hmm. because you have those those um, you know smaller margins with you know competitive pricing which then is hard to offer competitive salaries to attract very good talent that's that wants to stay right you become more of a, a you know a, a lily pad that that people are traveling from one to the next to get to where their actually end goal is so you've got to build a company where your culture is so strong that people want to be there because of the mission regardless of what the product is mm-hmm. two things i want to talk about that i feel like we haven't are brand partnerships and organic SEO and organic search because in terms of low-cost or no-cost ways to, again, build word of mouth, reach new audiences. I think those are two great opportunities, especially, again, thinking about, like, in-person, small business owners, brick-and-mortar. So brand partnerships, who in the community, what other business has similar, like, synergy to yours? Like, how can you partner together, whether it's through an offer or a event to reach new audiences that are similar and introduce them to your brand. So that's like one thing to consider. Uh, and again, that could look very different depending on what, what your what your business is, but something to consider. And then organic search is super interesting. So whether you use a consultant or you yourself are looking at what some of the most top search terms are related to your business. So again, an example of like financial company, how to work with a financial planner, where can I find a financial planner, investing for women. Those are all things that you can then reflect on your website, you know, literally verbatim so that when someone is searching for that term, you are showing up high on that, on that um, Google search. Because to your point, most people are looking before they go in person or before they go to website, they're going to Google you. So what shows up when they Google you? Hopefully something, hopefully you're showing up. Um, But those are two, like, again, low-cost or no-cost ways to, again, reach new audiences, grow your brand. And and that works in B2B, too. So for us, we have, we call it uh, referral relationships. So we're, we're companies that have a similar client base where we try to drive traffic to them, and they, in turn, also drive traffic to us. And it's not just because we have the relationship, it's because we, but we believe that each other is the best at what we do, so we're going to refer our clients because then I know that our clients will have a good experience over there and then they will trust that yes. we gave them a good referral, which then also on our brand, um, you know, so, oh yeah. So, you know, Jason and everyone over at Exit Strategy Group referred me to this law firm and now um, they took care of the problem and, and were able to uh, serve me well. So now I not only have a good interaction with, with Jason's brand, but now this other brand I've had a great interaction with. So what else, you know, who else can you refer me to? And so you build this community of referral partners where you're serving, serving a client base together and able to help lift everyone's business up through that. 
Um, also with organic, going back to the organic SEO. So we, we talked about the, the marketing pyramid, right? You have the different stages of um, walking through the funnel. Someone is asking a question that relates to the problem that you solve. That could be, how do I start a 401k? How do I invest? What stocks are great for women to buy, right? Whatever the conversation is, there's people somewhere in a community, whether that's online, in person, that's in community group Facebook pages, that's in blog posts, that's in um, places like Reddit. They're asking these questions. If you can be the person that answers those and deliver that value for free, that will drive traffic to your brand. You know, one of the things we believe in is having some type of free offer that you give people no strings attached and that then bring, and, and so when they're searching for the answer to that question, they find your answer and that then is delivering value to them and driving traffic to the brand. And for SEO, it's, it's, it's very low cost to produce a few pieces of information. Like one of the, one of the tactics we use is if a client has a uh, question that comes up often, we're going to write a blog about it. Because instead of having to answer that question over and over again, we can say, hey, uh, Mr. or Ms. Client, that here's a really good piece of information to help you process that. Also, I'll, I'll yeah, answer your questions, but then people will find that. We can send that out. We can grow our um, presence as far as thought leaders through that. Yes, thought leadership is a big part and how that reflects into long-form content and then is split up into bite-sized pieces for short-form social content. That is a huge part of LFS strategy. You know, some days, are, you know, in the past especially, it's like I, I felt like we were like a editorial like team, like content, like truly because of all the content we were putting out. But it has been content marketing, which I think falls under under kind of the umbrella of brand marketing. That I love – I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's another great lover. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to know where to start, the easiest thing to do is make a list of all the questions your client a, that your clients ask you on a weekly basis and then tally them up and see which ones you get the most the most and work your way down to the list and that that flows into your marketing yes again for the example of organic SEO absolutely but problem solution marketing it sounds so simple but like that's what you should be t- like how can you answer those questions on your social you know like how is that being reflected in the va- and the value that you can drive like in their first touch point because you don't have long like to get their attention or to keep their attention so how can you quickly say I've got the solution right and and then you and this is where it gets cheap and easy and and so there's that thought oh I have to have this you know hundred thousand dollar a year social media team to do all this stuff and as a small company I can't it's like no you take the list of questions you figure out which ones are most of the burning questions and you just write a blogger and you don't have to write it you can just film yourself answering the question and then transcribe that into a blog, post that, make it an email and then f- chop it up into, into reels and content. It's it. And now you've taken one thing, you've made it into 20 things or 10 things, repurposed them. And it took you maybe three or four hours. Yeah. I think another thing in addition to partnerships is like brand loyalty programs and thinking about that early on. I think again, something that sometimes is like once we're successful or, you know, once we get to this point, then we'll kind of introduce that. But I think having a loyalty program and rewarding your stickiest and happiest customers and clients from the beginning is so important because, again, if I'm what I'm understanding is that word of mouth and referrals is such a key part of, you know, your local small business, like the people that are watching your podcast. 
are you rewarding them? Are you at the very least are you identifying and saying, "Hey, you've now brought in five customers." Like, thanks so much, Todd. That just came to my head. Um, but yeah, no, I think like, are you saying thank you? Are you like saying like rewarding them? Like, what can you do? So I'll tell you a little. So I'll give you two examples. One that we have done in the past, and one that we've had our referral partners do for us. Uh, you know, sh- I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. Shout out to Justin Munizzi at the Munizzi Law Firm. I know every year I'm getting a Christmas basket of goodies from him. Nice. And it's it's really good stuff. And it's just a, just a thank you for us working together, you know. And so we stole that. And, and our clients, <laughs> after we, we sell one, of, we sell their business, a few weeks later they get that, you know, we, we give them a really high-end gift basket and thank them. Um, we have a an accounting firm we work with that does a lot of our work. Um, Solutions Group Accounting Firm, shout out to them. They're, they're amazing. And we had this one deal we worked with with them that was so difficult. I think it was 16 months from start to finish where it was uh, a shared client that we were working with, and it, it was a long deal, and we finally got it sold. We sent their whole office Chick-fil-A breakfast, surprised them with that. I, the only person that their ops manager I'd coordinated with, so he knew, and so we had that show up and catered that. And, you know, it was a great morale booster because I think it was right around tax season. So they were getting, you know, that's accounts and tax season. That's a, a really hard season for them. <laughs> so uh, working long hours. Yeah, it was, it was fun to do that. But it, it can be something as simple as that, just remembering people and saying, hey, I see you. Thank you. Exactly. We call that surprise and delight marketing. Yeah. Like How can we surprise and delight yeah. the clients? Whether, yes, it's through, you know, a, a gift around the holidays, a note, yeah, people just want to be reminder. seen. People, people want to be seen, and they love free stuff. No yeah. matter who they are or where they are or how wealthy they are, people love free stuff. Yeah, because it, it's, hey, you thought of me, right? Exactly. Yeah, and it, doesn't ha- and, it, and it doesn't have to be something big. It can just be a reminder of, hey, we see you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being who you are, Jason. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I want to talk about this topic that you have on here in your notes women changing the world. Yes. So I'd love to dive into that. Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, our mission at Elevest is nothing bad or to get more money in the hands of women because nothing bad happens when we have our money. We all benefit. Um, I think every dollar we spend, save or invest, we walk into a business, it has an impact whether we know it or not. So what impact are we driving? Are we investing in businesses are we investing in local businesses are we investing of people of colors businesses um i also think it was really interesting to hear you talk about some examples of other local businesses that you've partnered with and i think it's so important for women women have been socialized to treat business as an individual sport you know like you go girl read the book you've got this where i think men have been socialized to treat as a team sport. So it's networking, it's, hey, let me invest in you and you invest in me, like you were mentioning, let me promote you, let me hire you. And so I think uh, a switching for, you know, and maybe women are doing this and that's amazing, but like something that we think can really benefit is when women are supporting each other, again, investing in each other, spending each other at each other's businesses, we all are raised up from that. Um, so yeah, and I think, you know, if you have daughters, you know, you, you have daughters, you have nieces, love them. Uh, it's like being intentional with like what you're showing them, you know, like you're bringing them into here, your shop, like what doctor are you taking them to? Like what providers, like are they seeing themselves reflected in positions of power 
and uh, influence because that, that that's influencing them. I mean, we kids are so perceptive, children are so perceptive of what we're doing. Um, sometimes a little scary. <laughs> um, so yeah, be intentional and be thoughtful about what you're showing them and talk to them about money. I know this is like, and I'm just getting on like a soapbox here, but talk to your kids about money from a young age, because it is at a very young age that their habits and their perception, like their, um, like how they feel about money is, is locked in at a very early time. So like, it's actually really healthy to have discussions around budgeting and around investing even if they don't understand it exactly, like they know that it's not a negative thing because I think for a long time, women have been told that like they're bad at money, money is taboo, and that holds us back. So shout out to all the women business owners, shout out to all the business, small business owners who are out there hustling. It's incredibly impressive and hopefully something that I shared today benefits you because um, yeah, your brand is so important. So important. We did have some questions okay. from some of our listeners. I'd love to go over real quick. Sure. To Are we going to answer them together? Um, yeah, maybe some of them I may not have an opinion on, but we can probably answer them together. So okay, great. First, shout out to Paul Riley at Riley Auto Repair of Daytona Beach. Shout this out, is, Paul. This is one of his questions. What are the most effective marketing channels that you use, and how do you prioritize them? Great question, Paul. Um like you mentioned, I think paid Instagram and organic Instagram are two really, really important channels for us um, and how they work together and how that natural flywheel <clears throat> is created. You know, we talked about why it's important to have an organic presence before you have a paid presence. So that's something to keep in mind and see where your clients are hanging out. Where is your community naturally gathering, whether in person, digitally, and, and find them there. And I think, you know, in terms of how to prioritize them, it depends on your business's goals. For us, we're looking for engagement that leads to client conversion at the end of the day. So we've been able to build an Instagram, both paid, that we put paid behind and organic, that is both revenue generating and brand building, which is the dream. So great question, Paul. I'll add to this too. So <clears throat> knowing Paul's business is a local business, the first thing I would invest in is your Google business profile, and additionally reviews. Um, there's a document that if anybody's interested, just in the comments, say, hey, I want the document on on uh, lo driving local traffic. I can't remember what we named it. Um, but the number one factor you have control over, because there's several factors, there's four or five factors you do not have control over when it comes to Google business ranking, is your reviews. You don't have control over what category you're in, the name of your business, and how it relates to that category, if you have any secondary categories, and also your location and relative to the searcher themselves. That's the top four things that um, contribute to rank in Google My Business Searches. But the number four or five thing in 2023 is your number of reviews. So, hey, how do I get more reviews? You have to have a CRM. You have to have some type of client capture campaign where you're getting names, phone numbers, and email address, and you have to... Um, invest in your brand loyalty, and then also, and you okay. I have one thing. At went about the, at like gathering their information to ask for the like a testimonial or review. Mm -hmm. It's so important is like when you're asking them that. For example, what we do is when we're sending out our MPS survey of like how are you feeling, how's it going, they give us a ten. Here, leave a review. You know, like give like meet them where they're at when they're feeling that positive, like warm and fuzzy feeling about your business. 
that's when you say that's when you hit them with the review. Right. And with technology, it's so easy. And uh, shameless plug, if you need a CRM, Lead Tool can provide you with a CRM. We have a uh, great platform that we partner with Go High Level on that we're an affiliate for that we can help you get set up or at least help you, uh, you know, we can help give you some information on. Hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored post. Yes. Um, someone's got to pay for this podcast. Amen. <laughs> but um, yeah, you should be asking every client what they think of you, A, to see if you're doing the right thing and B, also those reviews then go on Facebook and go on Google My Business and that's how you drive local traffic first. And that was that would be the first avenues I would invest in. Um, our second question was what are the most, and this is also from Paul, what are some of the common mistakes companies make in their online marketing and branding efforts? They don't, they haven't done the, the work to identify and learn about their target audience. You know, and I think it's so much more than just age and you know, the common demographic, you know, salary, whatever that might be relevant for your business, but like what makes them tick? What do they feel? Because like I said before, not just what you say, it's how you make your client feel. Um, and so I think that you can't market to everyone, like we started with the quote. Um, so I think that's one of the most common mistakes is you're trying, you're trying to please talk to everybody, but then you're going to talk to nobody. So that would be something I see. I would say consistency mm-hmm. because I, so when you go into creator mode, Facebook will give you pats on the back whenever you're posting enough. And I've seen our engagement go up. You know, I'll make a reel and we'll get 2,000 views. And then I get busy and I, I'm not as active on the platform. And then the next one gets three, 400, 500, 900. But uh, the consistency, it's keep posting every week, every day if you can. Um, and that will then boost you in the algorithm. Because one thing that people may not know, a profile is treated differently than a page and pages you have to work harder to get organic presence because the it's a business right and that's how facebook makes their money is through ads so they want you to interact on their platform more but also back to that statement i said that um earlier about you have to make the algorithms happy and the platforms want to reward and maybe i didn't jump into this but this is why reviews are so important circle back real quick and just so people have an understanding of how these platforms work. Um, the platforms want to, first and foremost, they want their users to have the best experience possible. So they're going to reward the creators that offer the best experience. And that is by being consistent and having people engage with your content. So you have to be first consistent before you can have people engage and you will get more reach if you're consistent. So posting every day, every week, at least being consistent and just getting the content out there, whether you think it's great or not, as long as it aligns with your brand and, and what you want to communicate, just get something out. It could be a quick vertical video you recorded of yourself. It could be, you know, a client testimony you shared in the form of a, a Canva template you made. Just get stuff out there. Yeah, and if that sounds overwhelming, because I'm sure business owners are so busy, again, think about, what you can capture, you know, whether it's a long form piece, a blog or a long form video and how can you splice that into multiple deliverables and different types of content. So that way, again, cause yeah, it can seem overwhelming, but if you can get into a system and a process. It can fly. 
love it. There's some other questions that were great questions, but we're going to save them for other podcasts because they're more on the topics of transactions and selling a business. Um, I'm going to go to a good friend of mine, Bracken Thompson's question. Where should I put my marketing dollars in 2023 for a local water treatment company? And we'll also call that just any local business. A great question, um, and I think it, you know, if it is, we're talking about business generally, I think that totally depends. You know, I think where are you seeing traction, and where can you lean into that? Um, you know, so if Mr. Thompson is seeing that, you know, he's seen some, you know, hasn't put too much budget, but he's seeing really good things when he, you know, is putting, you know, focusing more on organic SEO and people searching for water treatment, you know, and, and things like that, then like lean into that and do paid search then and, and get a consultant. So it, it's hard to say without knowing what's been successful for you, because that's what's so important is it's different for every business. And, and even within like financial tech, I'm sure the channels that work for LDVS are different than the channels that work for a competitor. Um, so it's, it's a very valid question. I don't know, but would look at like, look at your data, look what where clients are showing up and where they're finding you and engaging with you and, and lean into that. That's a great answer. One of the things for us is understanding who the client avatar is and where they're found. So for, you know, for B2B, well, okay, who are the decision makers that would be in the process of selling a company? So you have, a, you know, a president of a company. Well, presidents of companies are very hard to get a hold of. They have gatekeepers in between you and, and, uh, and them. So, who are their trusted advisors? Who do they who do they ask advice for? Um, so if you're a B two B company, it's understanding who good possible referral partners could be. Um, you know, a, another one we haven't talked about is LinkedIn. People don't sleep on LinkedIn. I I won't tell you our secrets, but we get a lot of our traffic from LinkedIn. <clears throat> Sorry, I feel like LinkedIn's a new Facebook. Like the way people treat it, like it's not just for like you know, corporate career, you know, I think it's, it's evolved so much on who's utilizing it. So I agree. Don't sleep on LinkedIn. Yeah. But the main thing is know who your client avatar is and, and where you can find them. So for example, if you're a home services company, the process most people go through to find a home service company, let's say like I recently was looking for a window company. What, what's the first thing I did? I went on the, the, you know, local community Facebook page and said, Hey, who's the best window company in the area? And then all these responses, you tally them up and see who's got the most. So that's how that search journey works. Um, if I may be looking for a restaurant, right, I'm going to look on Yelp. I'm going to go on Yelp and see who's got the highest reviews and what people are saying about the food and look for pictures of the food. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking for a doctor, then my I'm, the process of, is going to be completely different. I just thought of something when you said take pictures of food. How can you encourage UGC? which is user-generated content. So again, you're busy. You've got a lot on your plate as a small business owner. How can you encourage clients to organically post about you? That is the dream. And, and you do that by driving customer loyalty, whether through brand loyalty programs, through an incredible brand marketing experience, by having values and emissions that they super align with. That is like the ultimate like gold star is when you have clients literally, who, like, like you said, who commented on that and said, oh, I had an amazing experience at X restaurant. you got to go. That's the dream. Oh, yeah. And I will also say to, to Mr. Thompson, one other thing I'll say, where should I put your, your paid marketing dollars? It depends where you're investing in your organic. That's another thing I just thought of is like 
because again, to our point, you need to have an organic presence before you invest in the paid presence. So that's another. Is it raining? I think it's raining. It's raining. So yeah, but I think the lowest cost is if you're B two B, LinkedIn and Reels. If you're um, a local business, Google My Business first, reviews, and then Reels. If you're, you know, e-commerce, yeah, sorry, you're stuck on paid traffic and, and organic just is in an SEO. That that just is what it is. Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think we've covered it all. Yeah, I think there's nothing more to be said. All the wisdom has been shared. <laughs> <laughs> no. There'll definitely probably be a part two. Um I, I I'm excited to hear what feedback we get from this and, and what questions um, come up afterwards that maybe we didn't go over so we can plan for part two but absolutely this is a good place to end it Alexander I'm very thankful for you coming on I think you shared a lot of uh, great information I know I've learned a lot thank you I'm, I was happy to be on here and um, yeah hope to be back next time we chat thank you and for those of you listening I want to thank you for listening to the podcast thank you for liking and subscribing I, I appreciate your support, um, and, and sharing episodes. Um, if you have any questions for any of our next guests, engage with our social, put those in the comments. We'd love to have questions and, and that way we can see what's most important to our audience. But I will first want to thank you for listening and supporting us and I'll see you on the next episode.